0: Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. My name is Pam Candy. I'm one privileged to be one of the women shepherds here at Christ Central Church. The scripture today is from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death <clears throat> and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Uh, four-year-olds are dismissed. I don't know if you got that. Uh, but the rest of our children can stay here in the worship service. But there's still a class for four-year-olds, uh, so you can go on to the back. And um, hopefully, if um, all the children who are here, if you didn't get uh, the coloring pages and the, a way to follow along in the worship service, you can ask a grown-up, or if they trust you to go out to the hallway and get one for yourself, then you can go ahead and do that. Um, that, that the handsome fellow who is just up here leading us in worship, um, Brad Snyder, and uh, his wife, um, Rebecca, are first-time grandparents I got a chance to visit little Emma Marie, and she is a cutie pie. Uh, and um, yes, from the auntie. Oh, yeah, I heard this this amazing story about Hannah, and so I spoke to. So it's not only the grandparents who are really happy and excited, but <laughs> Andrew told me that uh, you know the daddy, you know, he's holding his daughter, and uh, no, Hannah's holding uh, you know her new niece, and Andrew's like, uh, "Can I have my daughter back?" And, <laughs> and Hannah didn't want to. Didn't want to give him back to her daddy. <laughs> so, you know, the whole family is so excited. We're excited for you guys, and um, praise the Lord for um, the safe delivery and uh, the birth of uh, Emma Marie uh, Snyder. The sermon for today, oh, first of all, for those of you who are guests with us, um, I'm not Howard Brown. Uh, my name is Omari Hill. I'm one of the assistant pastors here. Uh, our pastor is away right now on vacation, you know, summertime, so he needs some time just to relax a, b- a little bit and kind of deprogram as it were. He and his wife and his sons are um, spending some time doing a different routine, so we continue to pray for them. And also our executive pastor, um, oh, okay, some of the Browns are actually in the back. All right, they're kind of hanging out. They're out themselves, all right, they're back there. Um, so, and, uh, uh, but also our executive pastor, uh, Derek Crawford and his wife Dari and uh, their son Deja are also on vacation right now. And just taking some time away, so uh, just keep keep those guys um, in your prayers as well. And of course, I'm um, personally I'm really happy to see the hopes here. Uh, they were good friends of mine when they were here in Charlotte. They just moved back to the city. Um, really excited, really excited to see you guys. And and um, for those of you who went to the the men's retreat, the men who had the men's retreat, you know that Jeremiah was one of our speakers. Um, he is now at our church, uh, which is so that is a huge blessing um, for us. And and um, once you get to know Donna and get the kids, just seeing the kids all grown up is crazy. Uh, but, <laughs> Donna shaking her head. But once you get to, once you get to know them, um, you'll be blessed. And so just be sure to welcome them back. The sermon for today, the title uh, says, "I've tried Christianity, but why can't I feel it?" Now. This, it, doesn't say, but, um, I do it? it doesn't say, I've tried Christianity, but why can't I do it? It doesn't say, i tried Christianity, but why can't I believe it? Right? So kind of like Drake, we're going to get into our emotions. right? <laughs> we're going to get into our feelings. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to do that a little bit today. So it's a different angle. And let me also let you know that there's a lot that you could say about this. There's a lot that could be said about this topic, about feelings and feeling our faith. Um, but I didn't want to turn this into a lecture. It's a sermon, um, so there's some things, there are going to be some things that will be left out. We can have future discussions. I'd love to talk to you if you want to have coffee or something like that and talk about some of these things, then let's do that, okay? But the text that we heard this morning, read to us, there's that passage in there where it says, Did not our hearts burn within us? And it, it, and we look at that and we say, wow, isn't that what some of us desire? You know, isn't that what I want to to kind of just feel this faith, like, deep down in my bones? And, you know, and, and don't we get jealous sometimes of other other folks who, uh, you know, they, they talk about on Sunday afternoon, they're like, man, we had church, and we've been shouting, having a good time, right? And may, maybe you're not in on that. But then uh, sometimes you look at that, though, and some folk have been shouting and lifting up their hands and stuff like that, but then as soon as they get to the parking lot, they're cussing out their kids. You know, so I'm like, oh, okay, you know, what's up with that? But then there's the other extreme, right? That's one extreme, but then the other extreme is to be cynical about that kind of stuff. And then the danger with with cynicism, of course, is that you you see through everything, right? Well, I know what's behind that, but eventually, if you keep seeing through everything, you see nothing, nothing. And maybe that's where some of you are today—numb, because of cynicism, or maybe, or maybe just numb because it's been uh, interactions with the Lord have been superficial. And we're, we're going to address some of that, hopefully. So you see that this question is is already sort of relevant to us. But again, I have to I have to give some other disclaimers when we talk about this, because when we're talking about Christianity and feelings. And not just, I'm not going to talk about cultural preferences today, right? You know, being sort of Celtic as opposed to being more African and that sort of deal. We're not talking about that. There's a, there's a place to kind of talk about those kinds of things, you know, cultural preferences. Not going to talk about Christian traditions. You know, those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while and been in different, you know, where you, where you, did you come up Anglican versus coming up Pentecostal? Right? We're not going to get into all that kind of stuff. There's this, of course, yeah. there's different emotional uh, vocabulary depending on what kind of tr- Christian tradition you're used to or familiar with. But that's not what I'll talk about today. And then also when we talk about feelings and the, and the Christian faith, it, 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 it definitely is important as, uh, to talk about things that we heard from Pastor Tom last week, like mental health. right? Because sometimes if you're not feeling certain things, maybe you need to just check your body. What's going on? You may be going through some chemical issues. Maybe you haven't been getting enough sleep. When's the last time you had breakfast, right? When's the last time that you had a decent decent meal and, you know, what's been going on? Are you just carrying stress on your body? And so, you know, your body's trying to tell you, like, hey, I can't, I'm not gonna let you, you can't really feel anything right now because you, you haven't been attending to me. You haven't been attending to me well. Maybe you need to change your diet a little bit. How have you been eating? All that kind of stuff. Have you been exercising? Right? Those things matter. Our body matters. But I'm not going to address that this morning. What is this question really getting to? I think it's a good question because Christianity promises this personal and loving relationship with the creator. And it holds out out this promise, right, that that you could have maybe some level of intimacy with the one who made us, the one who is behind life itself. And so we should be able to feel it. And again, we we may look at other people and say, man, that that person has a certain certain zeal. They have some kind of personal relationship with God. And so when you kind of feel like that's not for me or maybe look like everybody else is having that, but I'm not feeling that, then you feel on the outside of the club, as it were, and, and then you tend to check out. I don't belong here. I don't belong in this faith. This just isn't for me. Is everyone else is feeling some kind of personal connection with his creator. Like feeling sadness or feeling God's pleasure or sensing his nearness, sensing his goodness. Even truth is kind of emotional to, to, the, to the folks who have some kind of relationship with the creator. Why don't we have that? What is it that we really want to feel? Don't we want to feel God? But the problem is that He's immaterial. God is the Spirit. We know this. We, even if we hadn't read the scriptures, we know that, you know, just inherently, right? God is not in front of us, He doesn't appear in physical manifestation. And the only time that there's been very few times that He's actually done that, what uh, theologians have called a theophany, now, if you're familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, you know that he did that once with Jacob, right? And God appeared and, and wrestled with him. And that didn't turn out so well. Like, right? Jacob had a limp afterwards, right? So, you know, God touched him in the socket. You know, but, man, I want to feel God. And, you know, but you, you might get crippled. But, you know, but, and then, then he, but he, he also, of course, when we talk about Jesus, we know that God appeared in the flesh through Jesus Christ. Now, there were also other manifestations of the Lord in Scripture, but those manifestations also are not ones that make people feel cozy once they, once they encounter it. Like, think about Job, as he was waiting to, to, to hear from the Lord, and God appeared in, in a whirlwind, right? and he was scared to death. That, that didn't turn out so well. Or when God's people were finally let out, when Israel was finally let out of Egypt, and they appeared on Mount Sinai, and, and God appeared in some way before Moses, and they were scared to death, and they were just like, please, Moses, next time you talk to God, do it over there. Right? <laughs> we don't want any part with that. Or when God appeared, um, we finally uh, manifesting himself in some way to Jonah, and then Jonah had to end up preaching mercy to his own enemies. And, ha- and having personal encounters with God as he manifests himself in some way doesn't always equate to um, some kind of cozy experience. It doesn't always result... And something that we necessarily want to experience and feel for ourselves we'll get into that this text we've read this morning again you know this is hard because this is a this is a topic that I'm attempting to wrestle with through a sermon and so this this text this morning is not necessarily going to be just focused on the the resurrection of Jesus itself and you're not going to go verse by verse, but we're going to try to pull out some insights from this text to help us address this question. So I hope you follow along with me. I think what Jesus is doing here, some things that we can see if we follow him in this text, is that he makes us to feel God inviting us into, uh, uh, into three, what I call three different openings. One is uh, remaining open to God's branding of our story. The second is remaining open to his opening of the scriptures. And the third is remaining open to his, to being open to his breaking of the bread. So remaining open to God's branding of our story, being open to his opening of the scriptures, being open to his breaking of the bread. Those three things are some big concepts, but I'm going to take some time to unpack it and explain it. So first, this is opening Of his branding of our story remaining open to that this is how we can begin to actually feel God and feel our faith is God's story in the world allowed to shape your own it's a good question to ask ourselves because in our culture it's no secret we've decided to be the author of our own stories and it's this par for the course not just for for those of us who uh, don't identify as Christians but also for those of us who do it, it, we, we, we tend to lean in that direction, just being the author of our own stories. Because in, in some ways, our, our, our theology tells us, our, our beliefs about God, it, it tells us that as Christians, being Christian is just about having this cool grandpa who's up in the sky and who never calls us to, to follow him or to sacrifice anything, but that, that God is just, just wants us to become good and nice people. Right? That he's just a good person to have around, but there's really no mission that he's called us to. No sacrifice. He's kind of like that the, the nice grandpa that you want who kind of sends you $10 for getting a good report card. Then you get that report card and the, uh, you get the, the $10 and the greeting card or something like that. Or when you get a trophy, you know, you've done well in a sport, grandpa hooks you up 15 bucks, right? Or he gets you out of a jam, <laughs> you're stuck, something happened, and Grandpa's there just to kind of help you out a little bit, but he never challenges your character. He never shakes up your plans. And then again, it's just, you know, there's this idea that God is just somebody who calls us to be decent people. And if we're just decent people and nice people, we'll end up in heaven, right? God will just let us in and be fine. But our stories and who we become are really up to us. So we become people who are in charge of our own lives and we need to stay on top of things. And that's tough. That's difficult, trying to stay on top of things if you've got to control your own life, if you've got to figure out your own story and shape the entire thing by yourself and decide who you're going to be all by yourself. I mean, think about this. Which, which news do you tend to look at first thing in the morning? Right? What's the first thing you're looking at? Is it CNBC? Is it Good Day Charlotte? Is it the news feed on your Facebook? Is it Twitter? Right? You, you have to feel some sense of, of purpose as you can compare your life with others, right? So, you you know, so social media is a good thing, to, is, the, is the thing that you really need in the morning to kind of help you do that, right? Or if you need to stay in the know so that you can manage your image properly, you gotta look at that kind of stuff. Like first thing in the morning, that's the news you need in order to figure out uh, how do I make my, li- my life look today or how, do I, how am I gonna feel about myself? What kind of person am I gonna become? And if you have to stay ahead of the political and the financial challenges that we all face in this country, in our world, um, then you have to look at uh, the news that's going to keep you up to date on that, right, so that you can make your life work, make your story work. And in each of those instances, it really doesn't matter if Jesus is king or not. It doesn't matter if there's this living Christ who reigns over all. It doesn't really matter. What's your story brand? What's your story brand? The um, text that we read this morning, there's some things here I think it'll help us with that question. Verse 17, the last portion it says, and they, just Cleopas and some commentator saves his wife, um, but friends of Jesus, and they stood still looking sad. it is now the third day since these things happen. Do you see how, how, uh, how these, these friends of Jesus, the Cleopas and, 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 and his friend, that it says that they had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. God's story in the world actually mattered to them. What God was doing, their, their social and political and emotional and personal dreams were hinged on God's promise of a Messiah. It made a difference in their outlook on their lives. But if we're self-reliant and we don't really need God in our stories, then certainly we don't need him uh, calling us to obedience. We don't need him shaping who we are, how we live our lives, what we're going to do with our lives. And if we're self-made, whatever God may or may not be up to is irrelevant, and we won't feel him. That's the point. If his story is irrelevant to us, we won't feel him. And invitations, the story brands matter, right? Today we give probably about, you know, some of us more than 50 hours a week to an employer for a good story, right? Why does this company exist? That's why I'm here. Who is this hospital serving? That's why I'm here. How is this school really making a difference? That's why I'm here. And the answers to these questions, they help us to discern a sense of call to our particular jobs. But everything we, uh, we consume also seems to need a good story. So it's not just our jobs, and the places where we work that we want to have good stories, but even the things that we consume, right? We, we, want, to know, we want to know about the farmer who supplies our coffee beans. <laughs> Before I go in here and, and patronize this place, I want to know, where, where is it? is this locally sourced? Who did it come from? And, you know, is this, like, a guy who's struggling? Or is this, a, you know, is this a family farm versus a corporation? All that kind of stuff. We really want to know, is it before we even purchase, like, just one cup of coffee, what's the story? Right? Story brands matter. And, 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 or, uh, you know, some of us are used to buying <laughs> bootleg movies. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, Hustle Man comes into the barber shop or the salon and, be, you know, we want to know, like, what, where's this guy's story? Like, just a little bit. You know, where, how's he struggled before we purchase uh, this uh, movie from him, right? Uh, you know, w- w- what's going on? Story brands matter. And we give more value to goods and services depending on how compelling the story is. And a lot of you who do development, raise money for organizations and things like that, you know that, right? Vision matters, right? People give to vision, not to projects, all that kind of stuff. You hear all that kind of stuff all the time. Story brands also matter in our relationships. Parents today still tell their daughters, "Before you marry that boy, make sure you know where he's going. Right? What's his story?" I thought I thought I was going to get an amen on that one, but <laughs> but you right? What's this boy's story? Like, what's his story before you you know before you like get engaged and all that kind of stuff? You go find out what they're doing. Where do they come from? What are they trying to do? Right? Because if you marry him, his story will shape your own. We know that. And so we want to be connected to good stories. And our friends in this text were hoping that God's story would reshape their own story, that it would reshape their world and redeem it. And what about you? Our, as we're evaluating our Christianity, we have to ask ourselves who or what we hope will redeem our stories. And to the extent that we are willing to let God's story shape, our own, will we also become more open to a personal connection with God? So we need to, we want to experience a deeper personal connection with our living creator, then we need to remain open to his branding of our story. But not only that, we need to remain open to his opening of the scriptures, as we've seen in this text, because some people don't feel near to God because they have no idea what he's doing. We just don't know what he's up to. God is at work in the world and I've tried to let him shape my story, but I found that his actions are utterly confusing. Well, guess what? You're not alone. Verse 25 says this, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then verse 31, he says, and, they, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures Jesus had been killed the tomb was even empty but Jesus was nowhere to be found they didn't understand what was happening right? We're, 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 we're sold. We, we, like, we like the story that God is telling. We, we like this, you know, this Messiah and what he's, what he's been doing. We get it. We want to be a part of that story, but man, what, what's happening? We're utterly confused. It's, and the text told us that they were just standing there sad. I mean, when Jesus appeared to them and they, were, they, were, they didn't recognize him, they were just like, they were just standing there sad, like, what's going on? We don't know what's happening. So Jesus invited his disciples, his friends, to let their hearts be deeply moved by the opening of the scriptures. Right? Bible study. And man, we think of what? Feeling God, and you're talking about Bible study? Words. I'm, not, I'm talking about emotions, and you're talking about study. What like, <laughs> is all right? But the two of those things are, don't really match. <laughs> what, what's going on here? But so we're, we're asking about uh, feeling known by the Creator. Feeling known by him, sensing his pleasure, sensing his nearness, sensing his transformation, his grace. And yet we're being pointed toward the scriptures. Okay, so stick with me on this. Christ would have us remain open to the opening of the Bible and getting proper interpretations of how it all reveals him. This is what he did for his friends is what he wants to do for us. Because if you want to feel closer to someone, you learn more about them. Isn't that right? So, for some of us, another Bible study, though, is the last thing that we need. What do I mean by that? I mean, you've, you've probably hold, heard the, uh, the old joke about seminaries being referred to as cemeteries, right? <laughs> Those of you in seminary right now, a couple of amens. Uh, Right, I mean, you know, usually, so usually, how's it go? There's usually like this you, there's a young woman or a young man that you know who's, who's anxious about learning more about the faith and ready to prepare for leadership in the mission field, in the city, in the suburbs, in the farms, farmlands, or wherever. And usually, this, this person is just on fire for the Lord, right? They've got that zeal. They seem to have some deep emotional connection to God. And you think as soon as they get in those books, that flame is going to get extinguished. <laughs> and, and, and there's a let not, you know, let me, let me be straight about this. There is a real danger of that in seminary. There is a real danger of that, right? But it's not inevitable. But, and that danger is not only in deep, formal theological education, but that danger can come to us in a lot of different places. So part of the reason why another Bible study may be the last thing that you need, especially if you're trying to explore uh, feeling the faith, is because... If you're a, a Christian who's struggling or someone who is not yet a Christian and has uh, been curious about Christianity and you've been, you've been struggling with just feeling this faith, you know that there are just too many choices when it comes to Bible studies. Right? I mean, you got, you got all kinds of apps out there that you can download immediately for free, and you're just on that phone just looking at all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of different websites and television programs that you can watch. It's just all over the place. There's so much access to Bible studies that it's almost meaningless, right? There's so much that, 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 that's involved in our diet, our spiritual diet, that you can't even digest it. It's like gorging yourself at a buffet. Right? There's so much available. You just, you just eat it, you gain weight, but there's very little nutrition, right? And, and so you know how this happens. We get our favorite teachers, uh, or maybe we bounce from one Uh, a bible conference to the other or we bounce from one church to the other you know just trying to digest it all and we've got all kinds of podcasts and things like that and we're taking bunches of notes and we're we're buying special ribbons and maybe like you know like one of my favorite things is sometimes I like to get a a a nice moleskin or something like that it's got a nice design on it and all that stuff and so you know we spend a little extra money on that or you get some post-its and start putting it all over the place in your bible Right? Or maybe we get even more sophisticated than that, I mean, use something like some kind of nice note-taking app on your, on your phone, your mobile device, so you can always have quotes at hand that you can then post on social media real quick, right? Let people know, hey, I've been reading. I know the word. All with no death, right? And our study of the scriptures is more about potentially our anxiety over building our own self-image than it is about meditating on the richness of Jesus. And I, I didn't even mention the whole Bible vitamins approach, right? Take two and call me in the morning. right? You know, like, so you just read two verses real quick and then go about your business. And I didn't even get into all that. I mean, we know that's not doing the thing. It's not really doing anything. Unless, unless, here's the point. Unless we are studying the scriptures prayerfully, we're meditating on it. Now the Lord can use those two verses, amazing ways in our lives when we connect with him, if we're reading it prayerfully. Jesus is just like Jill Scott. He invites us to take a long walk, find a spot for us to spark conversation, burby elation, stimulation. That's what Jesus wants, Right? And, and, and isn't that how a relationship grows through conversation? You talk to each other. You listen. There's meditating, right? There's a difference between getting a Bible certificate and, 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 or, or a bunch of notes in, in your scriptures or on your Bible app and savoring a God who wants to reveal himself to you. It's a big difference between the two. I mean, could you imagine what our friendships would look like If your buddy started disclosing some intimate things about herself and you said, oh, hold on, hold on, just just put that in the email and send it to me, right? Oh, Oh, what would our marriages look like if all of our deep and intimate conversations were happening by texting? Some of you are there right now. Some of your relationships look like that. So you know what I'm talking about. And we're doing the same thing with the Lord of heaven and earth. If our hearts were burned within us over the revealing of Jesus through his scriptures and revealing of God's promises for our broken lives, then we must remain prayerfully open to his opening of the scriptures, allowing Jesus to show us more of himself as we're reading it. But the last point, the third point is this. Third opening, if we're going to remain open to God so that we can actually have this potential of feeling of faith, then we need to remain open to his breaking of the bread. Like, like, like if we would feel the heavenly faith, to have actually have our heart and our desires affected by God changed, then we have to consider this last opening. Look at verse 30 with me. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight, verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So how, see how, in this text, we are invited to remain open to the Lord by breaking bread with Jesus. See, these disciples, these friends of the Lord, these confused and sad people, had become enthralled by Jesus' teaching as he walked with them along the way, going from Jerusalem toward this town of Emmaus, and so they didn't want it to end. It was so good, and they didn't even know why it was so good. It was just good. Right? And and so they so they they like Jesus sort of like feigns like he's he's going to keep going, and then they so they invite him in because they they want to hear more. They were just, so they're like you got you got to come, and so and they want to make sure that he's taken care of for the night, which would have been a common thing to do, the decent thing to do in that culture, right, to practice that kind of hospitality. You didn't just let a person just wander in the middle of the night and let them get robbed and all that kind of stuff, but you bring them in. But they want to do this with Jesus. And some commentators say that Jesus wasn't necessarily, in this uh, this exchange, he wasn't necessarily uh, reinstituting the Lord's Supper. He wasn't necessarily having communion with them at that point. But he was doing something that reminded them of the Lord's Supper, especially when you hear Luke's account of it. I mean, what did he say there as we read it? He says that, that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's not the words that we rehearse every Sunday, right, when we come to the Lord's table. And so, you know, you know uh, Jesus, what Jesus did um, was enough to remind his disciples, to remind his friends of what he did before every meal, but especially what he had done at the Last Supper with his apostles. Now, they weren't there, but they would have heard about it from the apostles. And then also verse 35, it says, "It says, in the breaking of the bread, not as they broke bread. So at least for Luke, he's trying to point us to something. He's trying to show us and to remind us the, uh, of the Lord's Supper. so that The use of the definite article there, the, makes it very specific. And so Luke uses, and Luke uses that phrase again in the book of Acts when he's talking about communion. Why am I making such a big deal about this breaking of bread, getting into sort of a Bible study, breaking down words, as it were? Because when you break bread with someone, you're developing some level of intimacy. You're getting close to them. You're looking at them eye to eye, having a conversation. You're saying that you're willing to be associated with them. And when you sit down eye to eye and eat with the Lord, the Son of God, you have to recognize that one of you doesn't belong there. One of you just doesn't belong. One of you tries to keep standards, and the other one is the standard. God is holy, He's our Creator. And because he's given us life, we owe him our obedience. But you can't eat with someone for long before it dawns on you what, what may be missing in that relationship. Or before it dawns on you how that relationship may already be failing. And to eat with God is to eat with someone who has every right to let you choke on that food. Right? Every right to let you choke on your shame every right to let you choke on the problems that you're facing. But the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for our guilt. And so without his sacrifice, without him taking on for an entire day the wrath of God for all of our sins, past, present, and future, we could never have any of God's promises and that's why he had to suffer before entering into his glory. So when Jesus gives thanks to God, breaking the bread and blessing it and giving thanks in God's presence, before his disciples, just as he does with us, he knows that he has already done what it took to make us holy and make us right in the sight of God. And this is really the most crucial thing. If we're to remain open to feeling the Christian faith. This is the most crucial thing. Can you receive Christ's broken body for you? Not did you do it, have you done it, but can you still? Can you still receive Christ's broken body for you? See, do you actually believe yourself to be a helpless sinner, justly deserving God's eternal separation from you, unless God has mercy on you? If so, take a good, honest look at your life and ask yourself if there's some sinful desire or some practice that you refuse to let Jesus touch. Just refuse to do it. I don't mean like you're struggling with it, Lord help me, I've been wrestling with this for like 20 years, you know, and still it's not going anywhere. But, Lord, I'm going to keep coming to you with it. That's different. I'm talking like Jesus don't even know. Yeah, I'm not struggling with it. I'm just, I'm just doing it. Jesus has it. You can't touch that one. Really, if that's the issue in your life, there's no wonder you're not feeling the faith. No wonder. See, let, letting God shape your story and letting him open himself to you through, through the scriptures, that's secondary to this. Like if you ever go to you ever go to someone's house for a meal, right? They're having dinner or something like that, lunch, whatever it may be, and you can tell that that some of the folks at that table are just not getting along. That just they're just not co- connecting well. It's super awkward, right? I mean, you walk in and you just want to keep eating. You know <laughs> what's going on? Just pass the appetizers, pass the, You know, you, just, you don't say anything. At least that's what I do. I'm like, you know, keep eating. It's, it's not. You know, I can't. I can't even get into that. This the, it, it, It's something, is, something is, is different about that environment, right? The food's good, the decor's set up, it looks nice, but there's some hidden hostility in that house, right? Something no one's talking about that makes the whole ordeal, the whole affair seem distant, feels cold, feels kind of fake. Was Christ's body really broken for you? For all of you, every single part of you, even the the, the part of you that makes you afraid to whisper in your sleep. Was this body broken for that part of you? Bring all of yourself to Him, open all of yourself to Him. You cannot feel this God who promises to walk with us and to make himself known to us if you're withholding yourself from him. Look, look, trust me, your sin is never as bad as you think it is because actually it's worse. But Jesus knew that when he suffered for you. He knew that. To eat the bread that he breaks for you, you have to keep bringing to him what his body was broken for, which is your spiritual poverty. Jesus said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." So let me let me kind of summarize this real quick. I mean, what, what we've really been talking about, we I talking about re- remaining open to God in in uh, His branding of our story, re- remaining open to His opening of the scriptures, and remaining open to the His breaking of the bread. What I've really been talking about is remaining open to his mission and remaining open to his word and remaining open to his sacraments. This is what theologians would call regular means of grace. Finding out what God is doing in the world and joining him. Letting God reveal himself to you. And then receiving his mercy and his righteousness. So you're changed um, by his grace toward you. We let our stories and who we become be shaped by God's ways. We let God reveal himself to us through prayerful study of the word and we let God feed our spiritual hunger with his grace and his righteousness. Another way to sum this up is to kind of say it like this. We were made to know God and to enjoy him forever. If you don't need to know him, you don't know, have that desperate need to know God, then it's near impossible to feel Christ. We must remain open to our need for him, no matter how small it may be. Sometimes you don't have you don't have this large sense of need for God. Even the smallest need for him is good. And I don't even get into some of the other things, as I said earlier, uh, you know, that you could explore in this topic. I don't even get into like, the silence of God. You know, what do you do when he's just quiet? Right? And I didn't get into what some theologians call the hiddenness of God. Like when he's really there, he's actually still there, and there's no way for God not to be present, but, you, know, but you, don't, you don't sense his nearness and that sort of deal. That's a whole other sermon. That's a different topic. There are lectures, there are podcasts and all kinds of good stuff out there, right? But it's important to know that in the normal Christian experience, you will not always experience divine intimacy. You're not always going to feel it. And, and the same level of intensity as maybe you felt it, like, like, when you were in college and you first gave your life to Christ and all that kind of stuff, right? It's just, it, you're not always going to feel it that way. But here's the good news. If you look at Cleopas and this other disciple, they were true believers, right? They were really true believers. They were really waiting for answers, but they were waiting for answers in sorrow. They were waiting for, to be reassured. They weren't just clapping and running down the road, right? All the action is happening in Jerusalem. Where are they going? In the other direction. The apostles and everybody, they're all over here. Man, they're so dismayed, they're leaving. They're sad. But rest assured, if you're continuing to actually remain open to Christ, just as Cleopas and his wife are here in this text, and remain open to Christ in the ways that we have discussed It's only because the Spirit of God is already with you and at work in you. If you remain open, it's because the Spirit is already working at you, working within you. And if you would surrender to the Spirit, even in your sadness, if you would surrender to the Spirit, even in your doubts, your confusion, or in your waiting, Christ will come to you at the proper time and he will refresh your spirit as you remain in his story and as you're in his word and as you're at his table. When you taste of God's power, when you taste of his presence and you begin to taste of his pleasure. Well then, sisters and brothers, I believe at that moment, you won't have a problem shouting or dancing by anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even for those of us who desire you, we struggle to feel the connection with you sometimes. You know that. And in your mercy, you're willing to come to us because you love us. You want to know us even more than we want to know you. Which is amazing because we know that we are already fully known by you. But to be known by you fully, God, also includes being in a relationship with you. You desire us. And you desire us to have and to experience the best thing in this world, which is you. The community that you have within yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know that as you bring us closer to it, that you will begin to change us, that you will enliven us. Help us to submit our stories to your story. Help us to submit ourselves to your word that we can know you. Help us to Um, submit ourselves to your breaking of the bread so that we might be changed, so that we might be changed in deeper ways, transformed by your grace and by your love. We know, God, in the end, as you do these things with us, we will actually become more like Jesus. Thank you, God, that you promise to be with us even when our spirits feel dry or when we feel completely alive. You have promised to never leave us or to forsake us. Help us to remain faithful. In Christ's name, amen.